Okay, everybody, let's take it from the top. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Hi-ho, everybody. Welcome back to Disney Plus Us, just another world's Disney Plus podcast, where each and every week we take a look at another piece of content on that there Disney Plus streaming service. As always, I'm your host, Griffin Tunnell, and we've got an awesome episode for you today. We're talking about Star Wars Rebels, and of course, I can't just talk about this show by myself, so we brought in yet another guest. Steven, how's it going? Right, how about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing doing all right. It's warm as heck up here, and I stupidly wore jeans today. That's a <laughs> uh, yeah, it was not my brightest decision, <laughs> but I'm but I'm stuck here in doing all of this. I don't think I've wore anything longer than my shorts uh, since uh, we got kicked out of the building um, back in May or whatever it was. Oof. Yeah, I was. It was just one of the things. that's like I, I've just been wearing like pajama pants and basketball shorts for the last week. Like, let's let's switch it up. Going professional. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's professional. I say in my t-shirt, jeans, and backwards baseball cap. Uh, but <laughs> we're not here to talk about my wardrobe today. We're here to talk about Star Wars Rebels, um, the sequel series to Clone Wars. Arguably better than Clone Wars. Um, I think it's a hot take. I, I don't know what I what, what my takes are hot or not anymore. For a lot of people, it is a hot take. Um, for me, Star Wars Rebels was exactly what I wanted um, from a Star Wars show. Being more so, I, I think Clone Wars is great uh, for the prequel trilogy, whereas Rebels was in so many ways it has a lot of the atmosphere and a lot of the same music and feelings uh that were in the original trilogy which is what made me fall in love with it so quickly yeah it has a lot of that charm and it plays with the jedi in really cool ways that you can't you can't do in the sequ- in the prequels era um but that aside, let's talk a little bit about just some of the fa- factoids and all that stuff. Uh, four seasons, 75 episodes in total. Uh, of course, this was a Dave Filoni project because all of the best Star Wars cartoons are Dave Filoni. It's really just making me wonder what all is in his stuff because I know he did Avatar. I think he worked on Mandalorian. He definitely uh, had his hands in it as well. I feel like he was probably like a producer or something. Um, I can't remember. I want to say he directed an episode or two. He was on that uh, round table uh, they did where they discussed the episodes and things like that on Disney Plus as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I found it. He was a, he was a director for an episode. He was also a writer. Uh, he was also an executive producer on it. And he executive pro- was the executive producer on Disney Gallery, The, Ma- the Mandalorian. Yeah, he's fantastic. Anytime you see his little cowboy hat popping up into things, you know it's going to be great. God, that cowboy hat. Like, nine times out of ten, I'm not a fan of the cowboy hat, but he just makes it work. He doesn't even look like it should work, but for some reason it does, which makes it that much better. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yeah, what a a show. Uh, I just wrapped up watching it, um... 
May this morning of on the day of recording. I honestly want to just jump to that finale because I am like I loved it. I'm angry at it. I loved it. I just have so many questions. And then I started looking into the rumors about that finale, and I've tried to say this without spoiling it, but uh, yeah, from here on out, full spoilers for Star Wars Rebels. I just want to know, like, what happens next. I so since I I got into the show while it was airing live, so I would I didn't ever have cable, but I stole my parents' uh, <laughs> information so I could watch on that Disney XD back in the day. <laughs> when that finale aired, my mind just started going crazy. And since then, like, I I hope that we get another trilogy or another series of movies where Thrawn comes back and is the the big bad because he's just so cool and the idea that he might still be out there or that Ezra might still be out there is so enticing. So And wherever they are, they're together. Like that's the big part that's like I want to know what happens. And also I just want more of Sabine's story. Like throughout all four seasons, Sabine is by far my favorite character. such an interesting person and the fact that you always get just it's like little tidbits little tidbits and then you get a lot of and i think it's season four where you get that entire mandalorian arc um yeah such a cool person and you, we know that her and ahsoka or at least that was the plan at the end of the finale that they're going after ezra i think that the only the i think that's why the rumors of a sequel series continually pop up is because it's such a cool idea and such a cool place to take the the series yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, with Ahsoka being put into the Mandalorian uh, in season two, if this is referenced in some way. I honestly will be surprised, though, if we don't see Sabine in that or some reference to Sabine or just some confirmation of what the hell is going on. <laughs> I, I, I agreed. When those rumors popped up, to me, it made a lot of sense. If uh, Ando is trying to get um, the baby Yoda back to his people, back to his planet, back to something. It, in my mind, I could see their 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 paths crossing. So because they're trying to find someone that's in this uncharted area of space, more than likely, uh, we've never heard, or at least in canon, as far as I'm aware, we have no idea um, where the Yoda species comes from. So I, it would make sense that two people looking for these mysterious far off places could easily cross paths. Yeah, it would honestly not surprise me if that's where Ezra and Thrawn ended up. I never actually yeah. thought of that part. And I, I could dig that. That'd be pretty dope. Because <laughs> it's like, we don't know what their home planet is. Like, that's just not information we know. It would be really the... interesting. Yes, uh, which is what Thrawn, his species, they're from Uncharted Space. Um, like, and I'm super excited for the new Thrawn, I think, I think it's Ascendancy book that's coming out here in September where we get to see more of his backstory, but just all these different things. And Thrawn is such a mysterious figure that I don't know. I feel like they could do a lot of really cool things with that character. And the fact that they brought him back into Canon, uh, I don't think he's just going to be this, a few books and uh, a cartoon series. I feel like he's going to have to be play a much bigger role uh, down the line in the series. Yeah, Thrawn is certainly an interesting one, and I think one of like the highest things I can say to him is, even when if you've be, even when you have fully defeated Thrawn, you don't feel like you have defeated him. I 
I love characters like him. He's such a new type of character in Star Wars where I feel like Star Wars, the big bad guys have always been these powered creatures like Vader and Darth Sidious and even Maul to an extent where they are just larger than life uh, and using the force. Whereas Thrawn doesn't have any of those powers. He's proficient enough in fighting, but he is what makes him smart is what he can do upstairs with the brain. Uh, and his thinking and calculating, which makes it such a fun. It's almost like an evil Sherlock Holmes <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's one hell of a villain. And honestly, like all of the villains in this, I, I got to use villain lightly because like everything with. um. Oh, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden. Uh, the, even the, the Inquisitors are pure evil. What the what is his name? It's bugging me. The guy that chased them for, like, the entire first season. Oh, God. The guy with the, the gnarly helmet that switches sides, right? Yeah. With the terrible beard. Uh, actually, who you're talking about. The mutton chops and everything. That's ah. so bad. It's bugging me. It, it'll come to us, like, later in the show. Hopefully. Nope, it's totally know who me. you're talking about. Um, no, that, that's the one thing I, I liked about the show as well. Is that, And I felt like each season just one-upped itself. And uh, I... That's kind of hard to do because in the first season you have the Inquisitors, um, which, as far as I'm aware, that's the first real mention of Inquisitors in the the new canon of Star Wars. Yeah, it was, and is, then like obviously the Inquisitors come around in Jedi Fallen Order, which I guess technically like takes how place much, at the same time. And it's so cool that this this originally kind of more kid show has all these different uh, things and really brought back, like it brought Thrawn back. It introduced the Inquisitors, which have gone on to come, become kind of a mainstay in Star Wars lore. Uh, all these different things they did, they literally brought Ahsoka back to life. Um, <laughs> there's so like many cool twice. things that they did. They brought yeah. her back to life twice, where like we don't know what happens to her after Clone Wars. And then, well, I guess we know more now that Final Season's out. Um... <laughs> Which I still haven't watched, by the way. Um, watch the new season of Clone Wars? I, so, here's a truth be told moment. I have never finished Clone Wars. Um, okay. I got, like, halfway through, like, the last season when it was, like, airing last season. And then I just dropped off. And that, that's typically what happens. It happened with this show, too, where I got through, like, I think season two when it was actually airing and then I just kind of dropped off and did my own thing for a while. Um, I felt like that was always my argument with clone wars and rebels of why I thought one was better than the other is I think both of them have weaker first seasons. I think rebels is decent enough, but it, they're not, the, the show hasn't really hit its run, but I felt like rebels, once it hit it, especially in season two, uh, bringing Ahsoka in at the end of season one, uh, through the Vader arc, um, it really just hit its stride. And then for me, it never let go from there on. Whereas Rebels, Barrett uh, uh, Courtney, it's kind of funny when he released his viewing order for Clone Wars. I think that's perfect. And he cuts out so much of the fluff because a lot of Clone Wars is that, that fluff. I think you could have a four season and it'd be stronger overall. Instead, they stretched it to seven and not all of those arcs <laughs> are worth revisiting. Yeah, a lot of the arcs in... Clone Wars, I've, I've, because I have been very, very slowly making my way through Clone Wars. Frankly, most of them are kind of boring. Um, 
except for stuff like the Bad Batch and that thing with like the Force people that end up in the beginning at, at the end of this series. Which man, did I love that coming around! <laughs> like that's just a, that is a total yeah. just nod. That's like, and of course it makes sense. They, so many things, and that's what, like Rebels will always hold a special place. And just all of the cool nods, and they have all these things bring back into the series, but none of it, for the most part, feels um, fan service. Like, I know it is, but it didn't feel unnecessary. Like, when, uh, like, uh, Leia and Lando popping up, um, none of it felt out of place. Like, Lando would be off scheming around the galaxy, and it makes sense for him to pop up in season one. Uh, or, or even the, the Rebel stuff Alliance of... is just... Even, like, with the Emperor at the very end. Like, yeah, of course he would try to make himself look different and look like his old self in these holograms. Like, yeah, that just makes sense. Even I, I, the whole bringing things back and the, the force portal that's opened up in season four, all that stuff makes so much sense because the Emperor is trying to constantly find ways to cheat death to extend his own reign and his power which goes on whether you like it or not into uh, rise of skywalker later on there's so many tidbits that rebels added to the star wars lore that i just think it makes it such a more rich uh rich uh, stuff (laughs) (laughs) Um, another thing i really liked with the show is just kind of yeah like the characters are all new and a lot of them are extensions of Clone Wars, like especially Sabine. Like I think hers is probably hers and um, Hera stories are probably the most related to the actual Clone Wars. Especially her father is literally uh, in Clone Wars, um, General Syndulla, when he's on uh, the, their home planet. Um, there's one of the novels. Uh, right next to it, the Lords of the Sith is literally about Vader and uh, Darth Sidious taking over and uh, going at their planet. So there's so many things that is direct ties to the old, and it does a good job of, I think, bringing it to a newer audience. Um, I think uh, older fans who might be more wary of some of the uh, missteps or whatever you want to talk about with the prequel trilogy, I think this series did a good job of bringing that stuff in and introducing some of those ideas to people that might have never wanted to watch Clone Wars. Yeah, it's definitely good. And I think it takes like the important parts of Clone Wars and puts them into Rebels in a fun way. Like, especially when Rex and the other clones show up, I'm dying at that. That's so much fun, too. They are. Sorry, what was that? I'm like I'm die I'm just dying of laughter whenever they're there, because like they're just they're such well, great they're so characters. Fun. They are. They remind me almost in a lot of ways. I, I wonder how many people thought this, but I always thought of them almost as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> where like they all have they're all the same, but they all have these distinct personalities. Where they're like, what, you have the goofy one, you have the the angry kind of curmudgeonly one, you have all these different personalities, but they're all very similar. <laughs> same. Yeah, time. they are largely TMNT. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's that is amazing. Um, and then, of course, season three and season four, we also quite often see Saw Gerrera, and it's was a lot of fun. And that's another, like you said, another direct callback uh, to the stuff that happened in the Clone Wars. 
Now you see a much more grizzled. And I think this uh, also really cements down the borderline terrorist saw that we see in Rogue One, where he uh, literally leaves at one point uh, Kanan and everybody to die when they're on Genosis as well. So, Yeah, I love seeing that his... Like, with Clone Wars Rebels Rogue One, we see his full progression now. Um, to Completely. Just batshit crazy, honestly. Like you so give it. I would hundred percent agree. Um, one more thing I want to talk about before we just jump straight into like the actual seasons. It's just Chopper. I just love Chopper so damn much. And I love all the Star Wars movies, um, but Rogue One is not one of my personal favorites. Uh, I I, it, I find it a little slower. But when Chopper rolls across the screen. You hear, uh, he's like, you hear his chirps. I've never been more giddy when I saw that in the theater. I think I started bouncing, like, ah, Chopper. I love Chopper. Star Wars, I don't know how they keep doing it, keep having droids be so fun and interesting characters, but it feels like every single series there is, there is a lovable droid that people learn, like, come to really adore. It's easy. You just keep giving droids sass. Like, as long as they're just sarcastic jerks, people love them. That is true. That is one thing they seem to all have in common. They're all, they all, I, I, I almost swore, but they all are, they are jerks. <laughs> you're, you're good swearing here, man, if you want. Okay. Um, yeah, you're right. If every droid has a little bit of asshole in them, they're good to go. I just want a series of just Chopper and R2 just rolling around messing with people. Like, oh just making God. C-3PO's life a living hell. And if you can get Anthony Daniels back for C-3PO and he's just constantly bemoaning his life existence with these two droids, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> and I love that it's like, oh, wait, Dave Filoni is Chopper. Like he's, Actually, he does the beeps. Yeah. did not know that. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> he's the one controlling it. Um, it's really cool. All right, let's jump into some more specifics on this and actually kind of break down the different seasons. Um, just some... Quick info on that. Season 1 started in October 2014. Season 2, uh, J- June 2015. And then 2016 and 2017, respectively, for 3 and 4. Just some fun information there for you. Um, another kind of weird thing I found that was just shock. This is utterly shocking to me, and I totally forgot about this. Was all of the different um, cartoons... Clone Wars, ever since Clone Wars, we really haven't gone without a Star Wars cartoon at any given point. Like there's, that? There's a small, short break, but before Clone Wars, the last thing we had was in 1986 with Ewoks. <laughs> Ewoks. A little break there. I, it makes sense that uh, they let off the brakes, put on the brakes a little bit after that series. So. <laughs> I, I Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed Ewoks. But it's like they tried to force the um, the gummy bears into Star Wars. Oh, I've always wanted to try to find them again. I remember as kids, there was these weird Star Wars cartoons that always they always had uh, R two and C three PO in them doing weird things across oh, the galaxy. Droids. It was. Droid I, I like. I had a few VHS tapes of those back in the day, and I probably burnt holes into them. <laughs> yeah, I have. I think it's it's either a VHS or it might be a DVD. Um, of Ewoks 
And it's like, I don't know why I still own this. Every time I go to like a Comic-Con, I'll see people selling the Christmas special or Ewoks, like burnt copies of them. And I always think that I kind of want to get them, but also I don't really want to. I can see wanting the the Christmas special just because like that's such a that's such a point in pop culture that everyone references at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, season one, starting with Spark of Rebellion. Um, this is all of, like, Ezra meeting the group. And it's a great, like, it's a great episode to go off of, like, just to start of how they introduce these different characters. Uh, I, I said earlier that I thought season one was one of the, or the weakest of the seasons. But intro, the, the kind of feature-length film they started off with, similar to Clone Wars, such a great job of introducing you to all these characters and then immediately getting you to care about these characters. Um, and skipping ahead in that episode to the end when Ezra whips out the lightsaber when they're saving uh, the Wookiees that was such a like oh my god moment in that episode and it's like from that episode on that's when I was I was already hooked I was totally bought into what they were doing yeah they did a great job and thinking about it like okay we start with Vizago and then Vizago comes around at the end and of course it's Wookiees, because, like, it's this awesome mix of the new with, like, Vizago, Ezra, and just everybody. But it's like, yeah, the Wookiees, who are one of the biggest parts of Star Wars as far as a race goes. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, they are the first race that I think every Star Wars fan really came to love. <laughs> uh, I mean, can't beat Chewie. <laughs> yeah, Chewie, Chewie alone just is that race now. <laughs> Um, kind of just going through these, um, the whole thing here is fighting the Inquisitors, um, and eventually talking, 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 uh, at the end we meet Darth Vader, uh, and it's all about Kanan teaching Ezra. Like you said, this is kind of the weakest season. I don't really have a ton to talk about with this season. Oh, and neither do I. I, I think it's just the, like I said before, I appreciate the new things this introduced into Star Wars lore, uh, namely the Inquisitors and that kind of group, because it makes sense that Darth Vader wouldn't be able to track down every random Force user across the galaxy, so they would train. Um, and it brought me one of my favorite uh, games, the the Star Wars um, game, or what, oh my god, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, so I, I appreciate a lot of things they did, but it did feel like they were trying to find their stride in this season more than they had actually found it. It reminds me of the first season of a lot of television shows, in fact. Yeah, there's some really great character moments, particularly with Sabine and uh, Zeb. Um, but for the most part, this it's it's a good season of television. It's just not the best of the series. Um, this season's also like the most loose with using big names in Star Wars. Um. Obviously, they show Bale Organa. Um, I believe this is the season when Leia shows up. That Leia, Bale, and Lando are the big names that show up in the season, if I remember correctly. And then Yoda also shows up, but he's only a voice. Um, I think Yoda shows up again in season three. Um, I think that's when he's Three, and there. does he up at all in season four um yes and no voice when they're so he's he's one of the voices when they're in that weird 
realm in between time space. For... That's what I thought. But then again, they're also pulling a bunch of lines from Clone Wars. So. Fair, that's true. <laughs> I, I kind of say the yes. Hodge anyway. of everything. Um, oh yeah, Tarkin shows up in this uh, season as well. Um, yeah, fun, fun season of TV. That, that, that's really all we can really say about it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, in that case, <laughs> let's move on to something much more fun to talk about. Season two. Um, season. I honestly, season two is still relative. It's my ranking goes four, three, two, one, as far as favorite seasons, or maybe three, four, two, one. I don't know. I haven't really had much time to sit on season four. I think I agree. I think it does go in a descending order, four, three, two, one. Um, two and three, though, uh, are so close because of some of the major moments that we're going to talk about here in two coming up. Uh, yeah. Because two has, I'd argue, some of the best moments of the entire series as well. Hmm. Oh, one thing I do want to mention before we jump into this, and it is kind of tied, is the ending, the finale of season one. Um, taking down the Inquisitor finally? Because it has the two greatest reveals in this entire series. Um, Kalos talking oh. to Vader yeah. and Ahsoka showing up. The Ahsoka moment more than anything else because you know, Vader wasn't as much a surprise. Like, I knew Vader was going to have to show up at some point in the show, but Ahsoka popping up like was just mind-blowing. And she was an adult now and she's like, oh my god. <laughs> And then she has a major awesome. role in, like, all of season two. You could argue season two is the Ahsoka Vader arc. It's kind of completing itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that season, that moment of her fighting Vader is arguably one of the best in this entire series. Um, so that was the moment, I, like, when she smacks him in the face with the lightsaber... And you see Anakin underneath the mask. That was one of those moments that just, I don't know. It's one of those, in my mind, iconic Star Wars moments where, like, all of a sudden she knows what happened to Anakin. You can tell in that moment everything has kind of been revealed. Yeah, and just the anger that you can see on Anakin's face. Anger and the pain and just, like, I don't know. I to think that you can see some glimmers that it's, it's so faint but you can see the hope that's going to happen another uh, 20 years or so later in the series <laughs> yeah and you also like you see the hope in ahsoka before this of maybe like getting through to him that as soon as you see the eye you see it all go away for her it's oh man i love animation <laughs> love animation so much um let's talk a little bit about the different episodes in this season though because um, we start off right off the bat with some great stuff. Um, obviously, the first e- the first episode of the season of Lethal is largely about Ahsoka working with the crew. Because, you know, you, you'll bring Ahsoka into the series. You gotta immediately do something with her. I was, she's such a heavy hitter. <laughs> uh, but then right after that, we get Rex and the uh, Rex, Wolf, and uh, Gregor. Uh, I, I I know we we've, we've kind of beaten that point to to death here. They're great though, like they're just they're great. I, this this season had so many fun reveals that we're kind of building up to, and yeah, when you get to see the the crew again, 
and they're brought back into it and how they've been kind of exiled for so long um, with Ahsoka and all that. It, it made for some really fun episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. And also allows you to do some stuff that you couldn't necessarily do, like otherwise, like um, Kanan's whole run with, of course he doesn't trust them. Like, of course, that just makes sense. I mean, he, he it's, I don't know how, uh, like I'm deep into the Star Wars lore, but the, the Kanan... Uh, comic that they did while the show was going kind of delves into his past and he literally watches the clones gun down his former master so it felt very real his distrust of the clones in this instance and how he was just not a part of it at all yeah and how he grows to accept their help and accept them and yeah these guys aren't just clones they're their own people they have their own deals they like it themselves 100% and it comes back around in the finale of the series where it's like, where um, I think it's Gregor gets shot. And he's like, thank you for fighting for something we chose to fight for. And fuck. It, uh, it makes, I don't know. I love the, the arc that they have and how they've just become such this integral part. And I know it's a little retcon, but I love that the old guy in Return of the Jedi is now one of the clones that has survived. <laughs> it's just, it feels right that they would choose to continue fighting. Like, that is their existence. But now, like you said, they get to choose the fight they're in. They're not being forced into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a bunch of, like, we get a bunch of filler episodes with Rex and with everyone and kind of introducing us. But there's a few standouts from them, particularly Relics of the Old Republic. Um, I think it's Relics of the Old Republic is when they're in Genosha. No, that's not right. That's... One is that the one I'm thinking with uh, uh, Slogger as well? Yeah, I don't think that's relics of the old republic, or maybe I'm just crazy. The fun that that I don't remember the name of it, but I, that that Genosis run was such a fun run. It introduces like we talked about before a little bit with Saw and his character art coming to fruition, and he's going back to where kind of the world began as well. Yeah, it's it's a really fun one, and I love seeing the um, the droids here, because like all of these, the droids are only ever seen in like this one storyline. <laughs> it's like they had to model all this stuff for just this one idea, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, this is <laughs> a story all out right now. <laughs> uh, the honorable ones in the shroud of darkness. That's what, or just the honorable ones. That's what the name of the uh, the episode is. I'm not sure how I found that, but I'm just quickly <laughs> scroll, scrolling through Wikipedia looking for the word genosis. Um, and like, I, we're kind of focusing on Rex and uh, Ahsoka here. But I, well, uh, I think that's. Uh, go ahead. I want to bring it back around to the actual um, main Ooh. ghost crew. Um, unsurprisingly, I want to bring it back to Sabine. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I just want to talk about the episode 8 of the series Blood Sisters uh, when they meet Ketsu Onyo Onyo. Um, and I really just want to bring up this episode because I really 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 like this episode Um, (laughs) just because it is Mandalorian stuff and I love Mandalorian stuff I yeah I Sabine was such a fun character. For me, I didn't come full circle on her all the way until we got that uh, the uh, Mandalorian arc uh, in season four, I believe it was, 
But season she was three, such yeah. for me. She was a fun distraction. Is it season three that they do the Mandalorian arc? Yeah, the Heroes of Mandalore or something like that. Yeah, where she goes back and kind of has to retake. Um, but she she was a character that kind of grew on me. She was always, you know, I always rightfully rightfully or wrongfully, I always root for the the hero's kind of love interest. So I'm always pulling for her and Ezra. Um, she was such a fun ash of color in the show quite i mean figuratively and literally like her painting of the death star or of the tie fighter she just adds such a fun kind of spunk to the show um that i think it needed with some of the other more drab characters especially her armor itself of just how bright yeah. and colorful it is or like the fact that she keeps repainting it throughout the series totally that angsty kid that just wants to continually express herself in new ways but it's in such a fun and cool way that her character was totally bought as like a middle school and high school teacher she reminds me of so many of the kids i see come through the halls that want to express themselves and want to show who they are and i thought she they for you know adults are writing the show they did such a good job of writing a teenage type character for her Mm -hmm. and then when they kind of start to tell you more about her backstory it's like, oh, that's right. She just happened to design to work for the Empire and like design a weapon to kill all of Mandalore. It's like, oh, uh, whoops. It's, you kind of get some of the angst behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you you have a reason for this. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of great episodes on here on this season. Uh, we mentioned the honorable ones. Um, pretty much anything with the Jedi. Um, we also see Ezra and Kanan's first entrance into a Jedi temple um, with Shroud of Darkness. And that's when we uh, see we get Yoda for the first time in this. Am I crazy or is this is Maul is reintroduced back in season two, correct? Maul is reintroduced in the season finale, yeah. I was going to say, I was I knew he shows up somewhere, but I couldn't remember because that, I mean, so many parts, you talked about big heavy hitters coming in, um, another one, and someone, I was kind of probably uh, the perfect age for the prequels where I was just young enough to still enjoy them without realizing <laughs> some of their pitfalls, <laughs> um, so Maul was such a cool character, so I mean, I, I forgot he was in the finale, so that, shoot, that finale is unreal then because you have Vader, Ahsoka, and Maul all <laughs> and then and Maul just one, keeps coming back. Man, he is... I felt like this series perfectly, where you gotta finally see his completed arc of where he ended up. Yeah. A it's, lot of fun. It's so, so worth it. Um, I love him. I forget if it was season one or season two where this happens, because I watched them a little while back. Um... Is season two where we first see Ezra's lightsaber? Or is that season, season one? Season one is. It's season, I want to say season two is where he gets molded into more of the lightsaber we get used to. Because season one, he has the kind of gun lightsaber where his slingshot bolts come mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah, because I remember in the, in the end of season two, it, that's when it breaks. And we get more of the, he goes to more of a traditional hilt, I think, going forward after that. Yeah, he directly copies Kanan, um, which, which I love that. I did love that they did something unique. Like, his 
Hopkins was a direct product of who he was before, and you guys see that transformation even with his. Because like when we first start, he has that little thing that straps to his forearm. And he's shooting the slingshots out of. Um, you guys can't see because this is an audio podcast, that. but uh, we both just did the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. I love his initial lightsaber. It's just it's such a cool and different. And I love that it is the canon. There is he built it himself. Like he was given the pieces and did with it what he wanted to do. Yeah, that transformation of season one, it makes sense that he'd want to do his own thing. And then by the time we get to season three, him and Kanan are truly this unit. Um, they are together now. Whereas the few times between season one, and season two, he feels like Kanan's constantly trying to dump him off on other people. Where yeah, by the time we get to season three, they season are three together. does a really good job of that. And especially with, what happens to Kanan in the season two finale uh, with him getting yeah. blinded. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about this finale for a bit. Funny how these TV based uh, podcasts always end up us talking about the finales. Mostly it's almost like those are the best. <laughs> they save the best for last. Almost like season. they're saving the best for last. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something. So Malachor, uh, Sith world. Just damn. Like that's really all I gotta say. It's just damn. I forgot how much. Like I remember Maul being a bigger part of season two than you remind me that he just comes up at the end of season two. It's amazing how much they fit into that episode. There's so many major things because then we get the whole. I mean, I don't know how much you remember during the show's run, but everyone from this point forward thought Ezra was gonna turn to the dark side. <laughs> I really because did. Um, I really thought it was going to happen. He's so enticed by what Maul is offering such a long time. And this is kind of the genesis of all of that, uh, which was really such a cool idea that they kind of put it in there. Yeah, with the Sith Holocron in particular. Because um, like kind of the whole idea here was that they're going to go find the Sith Holocron, learn more about the Sith, and figure out how to destroy him. That's kind of what, that's what Ezra and Kanan were working for this entire season. Um, and the way it's brought around to like, no, that information is not helpful for you because your goal here should not be to destroy. That's a cool, like, balance, like the powers of like, you can totally see the young kid that just wants to do the quick way out. Kanan, who has learned painfully at times over years to be more patient. Uh, it's such a cool battling of those different ideologies. Mm-hmm. And then Ahsoka here being like, I need knowing that the only way to teach them in this situation is for them to face it themselves. It's so well done. Um, and let's talk, let's talk about the reveal of Maul for a second. Cause this, this finale is a two parter. Um, it was technically episodes 21 and 22 of the season. Um, the reveal of him, cause like Maul stays acting like in hermit for a really really long time in this episode completely he, he's playing it up he i think he's really trying to see what ezra can do when they first come together and see how far he can push it and that's when you can already see the seeds of him trying to plant that ezra's not your padawan anymore he's my padawan <laughs> uh and it all begins right now paul is just such a cool character every time he's used even in solo he's cool yeah He's two seconds in Solo, 
I, I, I'm a solo apologist, maybe, but I because that's one of my favorites. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get enough of Darth Maul. <laughs> He's such a cool. Like that alone makes episode one <laughs> fun for me because he's such a cool character. Yeah, this is this one's a special episode among it. I would honestly rank like Twilight of the Apprentice as one of the best episodes in this entire series. This one, and then the the Mall final arc in season three. Uh, I think it's Twin Sons. Yeah. Um, favorites uh for that reason like he is such an interesting character and even when uh, sorry they're skipping ahead but even being even him being struck down finally in season three it's such like a moment and like he's so reflective and you can that guy has just been tortured his entire life (laughs) his entire existence well yeah like throughout all of season three and even here his one and only goal goal is to find obi-wan like even in his whole I will steal uh, Ezra kind of deal. It's only to find Obi-Wan. That is the only reason he is doing it. Existence is boiled down to this one thing, this revenge <laughs> that he feels like he needs to get. <laughs> it's so, so good. Um, and then, of course, there is the Ahsoka-Darth Vader fight. Which, like, as we said, best fight. Be one of the coolest outside of the, I know you haven't watched it, uh, finished season seven of Clone Wars, but outside of that fight in season seven might be the, one of the best animated fight scenes um, with the emotion and the impact that it has. Mm-hmm. Dude, Ahsoka's entire style of fighting is so damn cool. The, just the twin lightsabers that she's always wielding. She's so awesome. Mm-hmm. It also just looks weirdly badass to hold the lightsabers backwards like that. <laughs> it really does. She's, I don't know. She has such a kind of unique and fun fighting style. That, that's, you know, you would think they would struggle to come up with new ideas, but they keep having these kind of new things like we talked about with Ezra's lightsaber. Uh, and then her fighting style, you had Maul with the double-bladed. Um, they're just going to overpower you, but they keep coming up with new fun ways for these people to to duke it out (laughs) yeah also i'm convinced that like anyone who can use the force is just not affected by natural disasters and whatnot because this build this (laughs) thing falls apart and everyone survives outside of Kanan's eyes yeah everyone just gets a (laughs) (laughs) or not it's unreal Uh, yeah uh there's definitely some uh some plot padding uh for the characters throughout the series um, it, <laughs> maybe to my own detriment at times, but it is cool to see. Uh, not cool. They, they are sometimes overpowered, and other times, like, wait, why can't you do this thing? <laughs> yeah, it's like okay then, but everyone can survive like a building falling apart on top of them. Like Darth Vader just shrugs <laughs> it off. Completely shrugs it off, and I think. I do think in this moment, this is when, until we find out later, she gets saved. But I do think Ahsoka would have been the only casualty of this moment. Yeah, likely. Uh, even then, though, it was looking like she probably would have survived there. It just would have taken forever think to we get would out have, of there. For real, we definitely would have had an online movement saying Ahsoka survived or <laughs> bring her back Filoni, something like that. <laughs> now, Filoni likes Ahsoka way too much to ever kill her off. <laughs> like, let, let's be honest there. <laughs> if he's going to bring her back through space and time, Ahsoka 
might be the most uh, enduring character, literally, in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we we kind of gloss over it, but Kanan, like, one of the main fucking characters in this, gets blinded. It, it's one of the things I forget happens in this episode, because it becomes so much of who he is, and I feel like becoming who Kanan is really is this blinding. So, like, and as I've, I've watched the show three or four four times all the way through and just i that's all i think of i i forget when i rewatch it that he has eyes again because this is the moment truly when he becomes a jedi master in my opinion before that he's still a padawan making his way through and this moment he truly accepts his role in the force yeah they've done this that kind of that story a couple of times of this person's still very very new but now they have to train someone um and we've all we've seen different versions of this through Anakin and Ahsoka. You see a little bit of it with um, Jedi Fallen Order with what's his name having to train himself. Um, this is the best. This is the best version of it by far, with like this huge, huge moment, and he just has to accept it. Or like, when he grabs the Temple Guard mask, that's where it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. And, like, at, when he starts fighting Maul and, he's, and, like, they show his vision, this weird force vision thing that he has, it's like, oh, man, you, like, it's totally, like, I'm one with the force and forces with me type of a moment where he's just, like, nothing's going to keep me from protecting my Padawan in this moment. I am one with the force. He becomes Force, force Daredevil, essentially. He does. Um, <laughs> I've never love- thought of that. That's a perfect analogy. I love seeing his story, though, it, it particularly in season three, um, which let's just jump into it now. Um, the whole thing with the Bendu. I, the Bendu, I'm assuming, is what you were talking about when you talked uh, the callback to the Clone Wars, the three, the dad and the brother and sister. Uh, what? That's one of the things I'm mentioning. I'm also talking about the very end of season four. Um, gotcha. But yeah, the Bendu fucking rocks. Such an interesting character of you know, on that middle, almost to his own detriment at times. <laughs> uh, such a, I, I don't know, I really appreciated that you still had someone cool for Kanan to talk to. You kind of taking that place of Ahsoka, that Jedi master type person for him to talk to. Um, but such a a middle guiding force for Ezra as well in, in these uh, uh, episodes. Yeah, the Bendu is probably one of, in my opinion, one of the coolest uh, coolest characters like that they add into this as a side character. Um, just because of his middle groundness, middle of the road. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Words <laughs> are hard sometimes. But they, yeah, they tend to be. <laughs> When you said middle ground, I was like, oh, well, it's not the high ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that he is like, he wants no part of this. Like, he is not happy that you brought this base, the rebel base here. But he's, he's just going to let it be. Oh, he wants no part of it. Mm-hmm. Or he just pieces out. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets One thing too real, he induces. He's like, bye. So long. I'm not helping you. Um, but yeah, that, that entire thing of them finding this new, this new base and 
eventually having to like fight like the spider things and and that's what I was going to bring up that's another I really appreciate that Ezra one of the things that makes him so unique from the other Jedi is his connection with animals and it's a reoccurring theme throughout the series but these spider things learning that they're not they're not an enemy more or less that they're just a terrified creature of this new thing on their home (laughs) that's a cool idea but (laughs) he has no connection to them at all because there's nothing there to connect to. They're, they're this uh, insect with not much going on upstairs. Mm-hmm. And then throughout that season, um, this is also, this is the Holocrons of Fate, where um, Maul is making Ezra do the thing of like combining the two Holocrons. Um, and that's when we learn of like, he's looking for, um, what's his name, for Obi-Wan. And Ezra's trying to find his information about how to destroy the Sith. Um, it's an interesting idea that they're both using each other, or they think they're using each other, and these different end means, and is bringing them to the, like, literally bringing them to the same spot they don't realize it, though. Like, Tatooine <laughs> is the hub point for both of these solutions. Um, Tatoo- just a little early. I mean, even more than that, Obi-Wan is the hub point. Completely. He's watching over uh, the young Luke. So, um, that, so I, I don't know how much you've ever used some of those the early streaming platforms like Disney XD. I must have rewound the fight scene between him and Maul a half dozen times and sat through the 30-second ad every single time. <laughs> Such a... And when it first happened, I was almost disappointed because it's, I think, maybe four seconds, their whole fight. <laughs> It's it's so good. Um, Come we'll to get appreciate. There. Oh, sorry. All right. Sorry. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there though because season three is packed. Um, I love. I this is why I like, I kind of put season three and season four at the same level here. Um, but before we talk anymore, I there is one more thing I want to address here. It's major costume changes for or outfit changes for Caden and Ezra. Um, and Sabine to an extent. And to Sabine to some extent, she changes her hair, but like she changes her hair almost like every season. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like Ezra is so much more grown up now in this season. That's right. This is the season where he kind of gets the the shaggy hair is gone right, and he now is more looking like a young adult and not a kid anymore. Yeah, and I gotta say, I kind of like the shaggy hair look more. I think, as far as just animation goes, the shaggy hair definitely gave a little more uh, flourish for the eyes. <laughs> um, I don't know why they went with such a just uh, shaved head look, because it also seems so much different than what we see from the, the young Padawans. At the very least, they had like a little rat tail or something going on with their up So Yeah, and then like kind of the major one here is Caden's uh, headpiece now. Um, which he just covers his eyes for some reason that I still don't fully understand. I wonder if it's similar to like, uh, people who are blind today where they wear the dark sunglasses. Um, I guess it's more that I, I, I wonder, understand like the, the painted on like eye looking design on the, the front face. of it. Well, I dug it. I thought it was super kind of cool looking the little headpiece thing he wears. I liked um, it. I almost wish though that they kept the um, the temple mask though. 
Like, I just feel like that looks I get so that. cool. Because they could have kept either one, really. Um, but it, regardless, him having a mask leads to... Hey, every time we talk about one of these moments, I think of the next cool thing. But his finale, when he takes off the mask and he sees them, like, I think you have to wear the mask for that long for that moment to really hit. Yeah, you, that was a thing where you know that they had that moment in mind as soon as they gave him that mask. 100%, because it's so badass when he finally takes it off. He's, like, glowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, let's talk through some more of these. Da, 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 da. Um, the Antilles extraction is really just kind of a, a cool, fun one where we learn about this new fulcrum. Um, I believe... I remember they steal a tie bomber. I don't remember much more about this other than the fact that this was one written by Gary Whitta. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on. Um, Gary Whitta. Oh, you know what this one was? It was the Academy one. That's what it was. That was a fun arc where he goes to the Academy. He's training with the two kids, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he recruits, uh, one of them to the rebellion. Uh, the other, uh, who ends up coming around again in the season, season four. Um, is actually both up. both of them do actually. <laughs> um, yeah, they're like okay, yeah, whatever. Um, we learn a little bit more about Hera this season, uh, and particularly we go back to her family. Um, they have their fights between her and her dad. Dad is is almost the uh, the what's his face we just talked about him earlier. The one guy um, of this series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah, he's almost Saul. He is, actually, he really is what Saul becomes in Rogue One. I mean, he's only out for one thing, and he struggles to see any of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we introduced, though, to the Calicori. Um, there's like this family heirloom for her. And this is where we really see how fucking smart Thrawn is. Thrawn... I think it, I, I think of the season sometimes in their villains, but I think it's so justified that Thrawn spanned a season and a half, two seasons, because just so meticulous and cool throughout, and all the little things he's doing. Um, and I love. I think it's in season three where they introduce this idea that he's analyzing the uh, art, all these, and like he looks at the art and he figures out what their battle plan is going to be, and it's such a unique and cool idea. <laughs> he's just that wicked smart. He is, he is a tactical genius. Um, oh. Moving on, like, right after this, though, is the last battle. Um, I was talking about the droids and stuff earlier in Season 2. I mixed it up. This is the, this was the episode I was talking about, where there is, like, this, this super tactical droid, um, which is who still believes the Clone Wars are happening. Um, <laughs> and it, this entire episode is cool, because it's, like, it's Rex and the Jedi... Um, and this is kind of like the ending of that arc of um, Caden tr- fully trusting the clones. Um, but what's really, and like what ends up happening is like they set aside the differences and fight other people. It's really cool. Um, but what I really like about the season is that they slightly changed their logo and they changed the closing credits to the ones from Clone Wars to pay homage to the original Clone Wars series. That's, I, I know I've said it for like a thousand times, but I just, it, this series does such a good job of bridging that gap between clone, between the, the prequels and the originals and just really making them all that one cohesive thing. 
Um, and I feel like Clone Wars never quite was able to do that. Um, whereas this series really does take the old and the new and really make them into this one amazing product. Okay, now I'm confused because Ghost of Geonosis was this season two. So we're just totally thrown off. <laughs> <laughs> we got it in there somewhere. Okay, yeah, we talked about it though. Um, what's funny is like I keep like, all the points I want to talk about. I can talk about literally every episode because the next one is the one with about the protectors. Um, which are like this, this group of like elite Mandalorians, uh, for the sake of like not making this podcast go three hours, I'm just going to start skipping some of these episodes because I just have to. (laughs) I think this is showing though, how, like for anyone who's listening to this, hasn't watched it before. Um, it's such, there's so much good stuff in rebels that I feel like so many people have missed out on. I think it's like, uh, it is wired star wars star wars uh watching for anyone who's a fan <laughs> definitely so we're gonna skip a little bit of head here um and it kind of it's brought up in the protectors at the very end of the protectors this season is largely about mandalore um and largely about sabine um so so we go let's jump ahead to visions and voices uh, episode 11 of the series um ezra's going crazy because he just keeps getting these visions of maul um, he talks to Bendu to make a deal. Um, Maul's there. Uh, threatens to reveal where Chopper Base is unless Ezra helps him. So Maul, Ezra, Caden, and Sabine go to um, Dathomir. Which I just, I love Dathomir. It's just an idea. It's going there and like the, the witches and all the like the magical stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's why it's. I don't think it's an accident for me personally that Maul and then Asajj Ventress from the Clone Wars are two of kind of my favorite anti-hero villains where they like have full arcs where they're not, I mean, all more so is truly, but he's more of that chaos evil where it's, you can root for him a little bit. <laughs> Man, Darth Mir is so cool with the witches and the, the green mist that's always popping up. It's such a fun, cool uh, visual place. Well, even outside of these, like with Marin in Fallen Order, every character, like main character that comes out of Dathomir, is just cool. God, I loved her when she, I, that's the only, my only gripe with Fallen Order was that her part of it is so short because she just gets introduced and she became immediately one of my favorite people. Oh, you know, when that gets a uh, sequel, she's going to be a huge freaking part of it. He isn't. I will be so sad because you're right. Darth Vader just it just creates amazing characters, like every single one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what's crazy about this particular episode is that's not even the coolest part of this episode. Like the coolest part of this episode is that they introduce the dark saber. God, I forgot the dark saber was in this one. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god. <laughs> like it's just it's there's just awesome. so many things. <laughs> my god, it, this is a series where it's like. They may not do something totally insane every episode, but when they do, they go all fucking out. Do yeah, no, having the dark saber and then just going out and then like, and out this is uh, like, and, and this leads into when Sabine goes back to Mandalore with the like. There's so many cool things that you man, I forget how many cool things come from this episode, in this series of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, also what happens here, Ezra's vision is finally finished. Um, 
This is when we learn, though, that uh, his means of defeating the Sith and Maul's target are the same. Our good old boy, Obi-Wan. Um, skipping ahead a little bit because we talked about Ghost of Geonosis already at nauseum. Uh, just shout out to Click Clack's name for being like the most fun Star Wars name to ever say. <laughs> Click Clack, I love it. Because um, I want to yeah. talk more about the Darksaber because with Trials of the Darksaber. Um, everything about the Darksaber Sabine story from here on out is the coolest fucking shit to me. Like I said before, this is when Sabine really became such a fun character for me personally, because between the Darksaber and then all the way through the Mandalore stuff, it, she's just so freaking cool. Um, and this is when she really becomes the Sabine that we find uh, towards the end of season four, where she's not a follower anymore. She is truly a leader of this ghost crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we, we brought it up earlier in full spoilers for the Mandalorian, I guess at this point, but she's got to come into the Mandalorian with how that's with how that ended. Just for the dark saber. When the dark saber pops out of his wrecked tie fighter, that was one of those like, Oh, holy shit type moments. <laughs> so cool. I, like, I don't know about you, but at this point, because of Rebels, I associate Sabine so much with the Darksaber at this point. Like, it is her weapon. It should be her weapon. I want to know how he has it so bad. I, and, yeah, I that, like, none of the casting rumors of Ahsoka threw me off because it just, and, like, I won't be surprised. I, I can see Sabine not being in those rumors because she's been in Rebels. But they both have to show up at some point, and it makes sense when you have the dark saber in there that it's going to connect to these different uh, series of episodes. Okay, now we're doing a special like extra episode now, just theorizing on season two of the Mandalorian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but luckily, we don't have much. Isn't it supposed to come out here September, October? We're getting close. See, yeah, but also coronavirus. Corona's killing me, and he's. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's literally a thing at this point of I'm like okay you say you're coming out here I'll believe it when it's out. Oh, it it's a sad point of life where I'm at the exact exact same spot uh, where I just get, keep crossing my fingers and continually am disappointed. Yeah. I'm wearing my mask for a reason. Everyone else, <laughs> come go, on, keep doing the same. Uh, but yeah, bringing it back around, uh, Trials of the Dark Saber, Legacy of Mandalore. It's these two see these are this is the most we've ever seen of Mandalore in this time frame. Like, I mean, it's arguably, it's, I mean, outside, we get br- a glimpse of it uh, in the well, not glimpse, we get full arcs in the Clone Wars, but really outside of the animated stuff, we don't get any Mandalore, and it adds so much to the lore of these kind of cool people that we, we hear about all the time, and seeing them is such an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. But seeing Countess Ursa and the fight against Saxon, it's it's all just so well done and so cool. All the different weapons, ah, oh, I just I love it so much. Uh, just everything, like the, they're so steeped in tradition and all these different things, and how big of a deal it is when Sabine comes back home, and is her family going to accept her or not? There's so many cool arcs that they play with, uh, or themes they play with in this. And I love that, like, they begrudgingly accept her. It definitely is begrudgingly. They're like, yeah, we have to because you're family, but we're not going to be happy about it. 
Well, and they're even kind of snotty about her with the dark saber about how she obtained it. And there's so many, like, yeah, they're, they're not the most welcoming of family. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the really cool thing here is how that weapon came back around. Is yeah, they're uh, they're using that weapon against them, and Sabine's got to deal with it. I don't know, and then the, the uh, yeah, the whole series, uh, this the, the arc here, and then the cool fight that she has to have um, with what's his face, the head of the bad Mandalore people. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? The jetpack. Uh, yeah, the. I don't know. I th- it was the protect. I think it was the the protectors. Yes. Which is cool how uh, they come back around eventually, too, when she has the saber. Um, I've got one more episode I want to talk about, and then we can finally get to Twin Suns, which is, like, the highlight of this uh, this season. Um, and it's really, really quick. It's just the next one through Imperial Eyes, and it's really just the fact that Callus has been the spy the whole time. And that's the name. I just had come up. I <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I go that as soon as like I couldn't figure it out. Um, Callus, but then also Thrawn knows <laughs> to see Callus's arc. And we the, one of the episodes we skipped over earlier was when he's stuck in the underground cave. Um, oh yeah, with Zeb. Uh, uh, it's cool to see where he is this through and through Imperial uh, to kind of empathizing with the other side to full on becoming a traitor. And yeah, oh, when... when it's largely uh, because of Zeb. And their understanding, the two of the most cantankerous characters that you could argue in the show kind of coming to this ground. <laughs> so I cool. love how good of friends they end up becoming because, like, the whole story with Callus is he wiped out Zeb's people. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, gives, it, it, it Truly, the Rebels are this group of, you know, the, the cliche hope is always brought back through and through. But it is like if those two can become friends, any anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, and then like the whole thing of like oh, they're not actually really gone, and that whole story is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But not as cool as Twin Sons. So let's talk about Twin Sons. <laughs> My God, there's. I mean, so I remember, like I said earlier, when the fight initially happened, when Maul gets there and he says his spiel. And Obi-Wan just kind of like face off and the camera pans between the two of them. And it just is, it's boom, and it's over. I remember initially being disappointed, but I remember uh, listening to a podcast about Star Wars and they talked about how Obi-Wan wasn't messing around anymore. This was his purpose. He couldn't afford to screw around with Maul. And that's why he didn't waste time. And that explanation of the battle and why it's so short is Obi-Wan is like such a stud that he's like, no. I'm not. I'm not wasting time anymore with you. I'm just ending it. And then Maul even. His, He's the one, isn't he? And where he knows, he know. Like I don't know how he knows, but he knows. And he's at Maul's finally at peace. Even though he didn't get the revenge he needed, he knows the revenge he wanted would be on the pike. Uh, it's so awesome. Yeah, he knew what's coming because, like Maul, like in very early Maul, like. When he's first introduced, he's just, he is the, the weapon. He, he doesn't think any of that. Now he is much smarter. He understands what's coming. And everyone that knows uses the force knows about the chosen one. When I, maybe I think that the 
Hugh Lines here make Maul such a more well-rounded character because he goes from this person that you really think just hates Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan is just the face on the thing. Like, he knows it's Sidious, but he can't get to Sidious. So Obi-Wan's the next best thing, really, yeah. for him. Because it's like Maul so is... when they have that brief... Yeah, Maul is technically a Sith, but he hates the Sith. He was, like but he's... Yeah, he becomes almost this nebulous thing afterwards as well. Like he, he, he and uh, becomes like it, he's not a Sith. He is, but he's not. Like he's a dark side user, but he's just this chaotic. He's almost chaotic evil, where he's not really because he's not fighting for the Sith. He's he's just out to hurt anyone who caused him pain at one point. <laughs> but yeah, this is, so the entire like Maul Kenobi fight. It's one of like cinematically, it is beautiful, and it's largely. And this okay. might just be because I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima a lot again. This feels like a samurai oh. movie. Totally does, and like even like when you do those standoffs in Ghost of Tsushima, and like he just does the slice, and then he kind of holds it for a half second. That's totally what this is too. Mm-hmm. Where just Obi Wan just he's not wasting any time. He's waiting for he Maul to make crumbles. his move, and then he goes in. Yeah. It's so good. So damn good. Um, let's talk about one final episode uh, in this season. That is, of course, the finale. Uh, everyone loses. Everyone's fucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. Th- this is this is definitely a one of... Uh, th- again, Thrawn's really smart. And it essentially ends with everyone has to retreat. Sabine goes back to Mandalore. Damn. <laughs> You know, everyone's kind of just done, and it sets up because season four is all about retaking the fall, and so this is kind of like the 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 end where you have to tear everyone down so that they can come back even harder um, for that final season. And I think this that final episode does a good job of kind of putting everybody in a good not not good spot in a bad spot where they have to come together for this one last push. Yeah, there's. We kind of see a little bit more here with, like, Mon Mothma and, like, the crazy risks they're taking here. Uh, Sabine has to help them out because, like I said, she's on Mandalore. Um, this is also when the Bendu disappears. Um, they, he comes back to help eventually, but that's when Thrawn tries to kill him. And Bendu's like, okay, yeah, no, fuck this shit, I'm out. He's... <laughs> Bindu is just on such a different plane of everybody else. He just doesn't have time for our, our mortal uh, issues. <laughs> yeah, Bindu's just like, he is literally, in, he's essentially a god in this world. 100%. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's season Living three. We've god. talked about season three for, <laughs> I think, most of the podcast at this point. So let's finally jump into the final season. Um, if I'm being totally honest, this is the season that like, hits me the most and it's probably just because it's the one i've been watching like i literally watched all of season four over yesterday and today wow man (laughs) this is real fresh (laughs) um it was one of those things of like on one hand like i needed to finish it so that we could talk about it today but on the other hand it's just so good that i didn't want to stop watching it have a moment to waste really in season four they had so many different things they had to do and to wrap up 
I think largely they succeed in almost every single one of them. Yeah, they have their first four episodes with like the Mandalore storyline and then the Yavin 4 story, which brings everyone back together. And I love how they go from like, they initially they start on um, Lethal in that first season. And it's really focused on Lethal. And then they open it up in season two and three. And then season four comes around and they bring it right back in. Um, and show how everyone's changed. It's a nice kind of loop for the show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're right. They When they start, they're all young. All of them have some growing to do. And by the time they get back there, they are all figuratively and literally within Kanan, some different characters' case, weathered characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the whole In the Rebellion storyline is kind of cool because it is like that last Saul Guerrero storyline that they do. But I think Heroes of Mandalore is, pr- is honestly the coolest that they show off. Um, again, largely because I love the dark saber and that just that whole story. <laughs> Surprise, guys! Griffin uh, loves Mandalorians. Like I, I think I've established that. Like I got Boba Fett sitting right here on my uh, on my desk. <laughs> um, the whole thing here with Clan Wren, Clan Saxon, uh, Lady Bo-Katan, and how it ends with Sabine giving Bo-Katan the dark saber. Giving up, she had a chance to kind of take over as the head and mm-hmm. giving up that chance. I think it's such a cool character arc moment for her. It, throughout the series, she struggles with being the number two when she has to know who Fulcrum is and all these other things. To, she, Her arc really kind of comes to fruition when she just wants to be with her new family now. And that's kind of shown by giving up that Darksaber. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's very clear that Bo is like, you come back and I'm giving you the saber back. <laughs> and it's like, I, I'm begrudgingly taking this. Like I keep saying that with the Mandalorians, <laughs> but it's, it's really true with Mandalore. No one wants, everyone wants power, but no one wants power with Mandalore. <laughs> kind of true. I mean, you think about a lot of different things there, the like, all no the way wanna... back to the Clone Wars with Satine and stuff. So. It's totally the thing of everyone wants to be in charge, but no one actually wants to have to do the things that, the death to do with nature. <laughs> uh, regardless, this is just a really fun hour of TV. Um, yeah, then there's the Sargerera stuff, uh, and then there's the occupation of Lethal, um, where essentially the rebellion's been like, you guys can go. We can't help you, but you guys can go. And, like, Maud has that great scene of, like, she's like, I figured you'd volunteer for this. He's like, when... And then she has another one of like, yeah, you guys do always work best when you're together. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. It, it, so many things, it just brings it back full circle. And you love seeing like the Rebel Alliance is still in its infancy here. It hasn't, and that, that's really driven home. That's one of the parts I really love about Rogue One where it's still transforming. Uh, they're not this cohesive unit that can go take anything on yet. So kind of continues here. Yeah, my favorite thing about Lethal is how separated it is from the rest of the Star Wars universe. Because, um, like, we have all their fights here, and eventually they take it over. Shocker. Um, they win. Um, but I love how the, the, there's this line in the finale of, like, the attack that we were always expecting never came. And it's like, yeah, Lethal in, like, the grand scheme of Star Wars doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> not in ways like Tatooine does. Or... Endor does. Although even in the grand scheme, Endor doesn't really matter to an extent. Um, 
It's just the best planet because Ewoks. I think one of the things that Star Wars gets a bad rap for, probably rightfully, is that they keep having to retread these similar things. And that was one of the cool things. The Fall is its own thing. And they it's its own thing for just this series that it doesn't matter in the big picture like you're just saying. But it matters for all the people in the show. Yeah, and you really see that. Um, let's just jump through some of these episodes. I'm going to do it rather quickly. Because the best <laughs> stuff, in my opinion, comes in the last three or four episodes of this uh I'd 100 agree. <laughs> um, we kind of have them... It's a lot of them kind of having to retrace their old steps. Um, taking down TIE fighters, destroying factories. Um, there's the actual Rebel Assault episode. Um, and we kind of here get introduced to the Lothwolves. Mm. Um, Such a fun, cool character. I'd love to see what that looks like in a live action. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Those things are huge. <laughs> that would be utterly terrifying. I would hate to run into one of those things. Uh, that'd be a bad day. That'd be a bad day. Mm-hmm. Typical day of 2020, but still a bad day. But yeah, so kind of what's happening in Rebel Assault is all of the work that they've been doing has been to kind of prove that, hey, the Rebels can make an attack here. And when they finally do, they just get blown to shit. Um, two people survive, one of them being Hera. Uh, they eventually escape. Uh, but Hera gets captured, uh, leaving uh, the pilot, Mart, to be saved by Kanan. Uh, and this is really when Kanan meets the wolves, um, who are like intrinsically tied to Kanan. It, it, I don't know. It, Kanan's arc, through, or his final arc, really, throughout the end of the season, between the wolves and him, we know that him and Hera have this relationship throughout but it's so private and this is when it becomes public um, between him stealing back the art piece for her the the doll wooden figurine thing uh, Mm -hmm. from through when he finally makes that final sacrifice and it's cool to finally see him up which i think is kind of the finality of his arc is that he has been so closed off for so long and he has to open up with to animals like the wolves uh to Hera, all these different things he has to kind of open up his character yeah, and with them saving Hera and that whole scene, we really see Kanan being like, I am a master here, but I'm again, I'm also human. I'm going to go save the woman I love. Oh, man. And just I know I mentioned before, when he reveals that mask and his eyes are glowing and you can just see the determination, like, he's going to save everybody that he cares. Uh, like, the people that are on that shuttle, the people he cares about most, and he's just like, nope, I'm going to hold this back and you guys peace. Dude, when that when that thing blows, it is it is a very much a holy shit moment. Like when you talked about the credit sequence where they use the Clone War music, where in this credit sequence there's nothing. It's just silence. Mm-hmm. I remember that hitting so hard. And it's a totally different like graphical style to it too. Like up until now mm-hmm. it's been that cool looking Rebels logo with the space behind it, but now it's the Rebels logo is all gray. It's white in the background. It's like ash falling in front of it. Uh, it's permanence. It's letting you know that this was not a... He's not popping back up in the next episode. He's gone. Uh, he, <laughs> he's not coming back. And then that's that logo sticks. Um, that sticks until the end. Or t- until like right before the end. Um, and even like the next episode, they start with the 
the Empire being like, yeah, he's dead. They're like, yeah, we killed him. And they almost seem surprised that they were able to... Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, we did it. They are surprised. Like, they... T- <laughs> let's talk about, it. like, why would you think? It's like, hmm, kill these, kill these people. Destroy literally all of our fuel. We're not going to get any more. But we killed a guy. Well, is like, uh, they're... I love how bumbling sometimes the bad guys seem because they do. They're so surprised that something actually worked out in their favor. <laughs> like, I got, oh, we did it. I also got to give a shout out to those two random stormtroopers that keep popping up in these two episodes. That like they're constantly getting attacked by the loaf cats because of Ezra, <laughs> or like they're there and they just, just don't see the the gliders. Like, I feel bad for them. <laughs> Yeah, they're having a rough few go, a few days of it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the two um, stormtroopers in the finale of Mandalorian, they're, where they're just hanging out on the speeder bikes. One who was it wasn't Jason Sudeikis and someone else that were playing those guys, perfectly yeah. having the comedy beating up Yoda. <laughs> a scene that was essentially pulled out of Red versus Blue. Like, it really, is I didn't totally, know that. Well, no, it's just it's totally that style of comedy. <laughs> of like, I just love it. Like, two people in the middle two, of nowhere. Oh man, I just love that that Mandalorian scene where they're beating it and like smacking it. It's like <laughs> no quicker way to get people to hate people than smack the baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, well, smack a baby in general, honestly. A baby's oh. one thing, but a baby Yoda—that's a whole different level, though. <laughs> I, I feel like this should go without saying, but don't go around smacking babies. And, you know, it's probably a bad thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, Doom. Um, and man, I was thrown off with how much this wolf sounded like Doctor Doom. Um, <laughs> it was it was weirdly distracting, <laughs> but yeah, um, the do- the wolf, which was like intrinsically tied to um, our boy Kanan, is like, yo, yada yada yada, go do this thing, save us. Uh, Meanwhile, Ezra's just freaking out at all of this. He's not, he not coping very well at the very beginning of this. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, this is like the beginning of like them grieving. Um, yeah, and I, I, love... I like that when they start up the episode right after when Kanan uh, dies, that they don't leave space. You get to see all the struggle these characters are going through. Yeah, I love how everyone handles it. Um. And I, I should say, I love that they show that how everyone handles it. I think that's a better way of saying that. <laughs> um, particularly with um, Zeb. <laughs> yeah, we... Um, He's such a... no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Okay. Um, we, can't, we can't have talked about Zeb a bunch. Um, He's a character that flies under the radar pretty easily, I feel like but he's such a great linchpin character throughout the show that he's always there to, he does perfectly what he's there to do. He's not there to be flashy, but he's the antagonist for Ezra at times. He's the, the he's a solid character. You know, is always going to kind of be there for you. When Zeb hugs Ezra, that's when you know it's real. hundred um, percent. And then when he almost kills the assassin, um, and Sabine stops him. It, this entire scene and um, this entire episode, really, is just so powerful within that regard. Yeah, it shows how much because he's one of those people that also is very closed off. Doesn't 
for the most part, let you see his emotion, his outside of anger, his emotions. And you see how much that uh, Kanan meant to him when he just beaten the living snot out of the assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after this, we get the whole thing. They are, Ezra learns what he used to do. Um, and they are all like, we will do this for Kanan. And we finally kind of jump into this last big plot point of this of the series with this world between worlds and this excavation crew uh with the the mortis gods that's what they're called um i forgot their name earlier uh the father the son and the daughter that fucking portal it was adds a new level and uh, it just such a cool idea that they open up and when they go into it it's just like this emptiness with these of time throughout it's such a cool idea of time travel <laughs> that like, you've never seen something like that so. even just from a just plot point it's cool even just from a standpoint of graphically and like how it looks like the 2d animation of the the paintings and stuff moving and then forming it mm-hmm. and then again with like the characters being 3d but this this world being kind of 2d in a sense Usually it's stunning, this whole this whole scene that they do. Um, this is something that like, just connects all of Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. This one scene is so cool. Yeah, here um, we bring back Ahsoka. Um, I feel like this is also kind of where Ezra has his final plan. Um, because he does tell Ahsoka to find him uh, when she gets back. Also, like, wondering what time frame she comes back. Was it, like, right after? Was it Ezra's time? We we don't really get an answer. I would assume it's right. She gets put back at the same moment, but... I mean, yeah, I, I would imagine she's just... Yeah, she saves her from that blast, and when she's put back, she is now... I would imagine it's moments later, uh, and then she has to work her way back to their time. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we see that, her whole story there. Ezra finally has to accept Caden's death. Which, those scenes will always be brutal. Um, those will always tear yeah, hearts. When he <laughs> realizes that he can't, he can't save Kanan without killing himself. It's like, it's rough. Mm-hmm. There, I, you literally cannot, like, screw that up. Like, emotionally. <laughs> like, it's, I've seen so many shows do that now. Um, we also get our first encounter, Perfectly. though. We get our first encounter with the Emperor. It was such a cool thing. It's one of those things I really appreciate the strength the show had not to let the Emperor overtake it. Like, this is Thrawn's arc in the season four. We get to see his finality. Um, but to introduce such a huge player as the Emperor, but not let him take over, was so well done in this season. It's really impressive. Yeah, it's really well done and really good. And like, I know we mentioned, I mean, we briefly mentioned earlier, but his whole thing, the Ember's whole thing in the finale is awesome. Like, I will tempt you to the dark side of the force because this is literally all I do. This is like the only thing he knows how to do, apparently. He has one play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And of course he fails. Um, But the whole scene with the fire is just so damn awesome. Um, Everyone goes back. They get out of there. Ba, 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 ba. 
Uh, also during the scene, Sabine's just being a total smartass to the people who have her uh, captured, and I love it. <laughs> I love this. It's like, as again, Consistent I am smart. The end. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the next scene, the next one is um, really getting into like these final battles, which frankly, during this all these final battles, I ex- expected Ahsoka to show up. Um, like I kept thinking like, I kept thinking like this extra person that you're calling in, it's going to be Ahsoka. She's going to come in and wipe everyone out. And, the um, I think it was Mart who says, it's not a who, it's a what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when it clicked for me of what was about to come. They did it. It was so cool. I'm shocked they did it, frankly. It was, it's such a cool idea. It's the... Uh... The fact that they call that back from when was it season two or season three um, with uh, the space whales. Um, it's such a cool thing that it's a uniquely Star Wars Rebels, but fits throughout the whole that you have these speed traveling beings. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the one of the clones nails it. It's such an Ezra plan. Uh, it's so perfect yeah. for him with his connection to animals that animals would be an intrinsic part of how he takes down the Empire. Um, but yeah, so in A Fool's Hope, it is the fight against the um, governor. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but honestly, her name really doesn't matter. Um, Price, Price. No, I've read all the books, but uh, yeah. Governor Price. Price. Yep. Um, I love this whole this whole play here with Ryder being like, hey, takes her they pretend essentially to be captured uh and then the, the wolves show up and it's just it's the set off for such a great fi- great finale um these two are largely think, together the finale just is one big hit after the next for me uh it, it's uh, for me so many television series their finales don't hit and then it always puts a sour taste in my mouth for the entire show this is one I, I feel like is one of the best finales there's ever been. Uh, they just do such a good job of wrapping up everything and then you wanting and really needing <laughs> more <laughs> when it's finally over. I think the biggest credit for this episode, though, is the fact that I did not believe writers' betrayal for a second. <laughs> like, you're near the end of the show. No way. You're not about to. <laughs> like, we, we know what's happening. And, like, I actually really appreciate that. They don't try to pull the wool over your eyes at the very end. It's You you see the plan. For sure. For sure. And, God damn, is this assassin just annoying to all of their plans? God, he is so obnoxious. He's such a cool character, but, man, is he just a pain in the ass throughout. <laughs> yeah, he's so much of a pain in the ass. cloaking device I, and everything. I start to just get annoyed by him at one point where it's like, okay, yep, of course, you're back. Um, almost strong for what he is at times. Yeah. And then there's the finale. Um, so the first part, shocker, they take over the Imperial Command Center. Um, do, we're doing it surprisingly well. Um, I forget, Hera, oh no, I think it's a, I think it's the, the episode before the finale where Hera recruits everybody. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's the one right before where she gets everybody to join the cause. That is my favorite scene in all of the, or my second favorite of the finale. 
of just like all these people being like, oh, this Very is all the cool. people that Ezra has touched. And it's so many different people and from very different walks of life throughout. <laughs> I love Hondo in this too, especially of like, he's still being a joking jackass, but for that boy, I would do anything. And talking about such a fun character that we've seen throughout so many different things. He is, I mean, is there a, I don't know if there's a character that's more Star Wars than him at this point. <laughs> um, I know I really appreciated that he was there as well. I didn't realize she was in the room. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't know if I should say something. Sorry, <laughs> if you wonder why I a second ago, my wife was looking at me, so I get it. <laughs> no, she, I, I was going to cut this out. Uh, she was like playing with my blinds. So I saw like light change out of the corner of my Okay, sorry. Let's, let's, let's wrap this thing up because I do have to leave here in a little bit to drive someone to, down to uh, Salem. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, and then of course there's like this big moment with him and fighting Thrawn and I'm kind of, we've talked enough about the emperor stuff. Um, the final part, I, him being the little whale dudes facing them to God knows where, and it's just him and Thrawn was such a cool moment. And also it's one of those things that something with it. But it's such a cool idea that they are out there somewhere, most likely together, duking it out. God knows where. Like I don't know. It's one of those things that it gives you. I think the great job of the finale is to not series. I feel like too many finales feel like they have to everything and end the characters' lives, whereas this one leaves it so open ended where you can come back to them and also just theorize. Like you know, Star Wars fans are geeking out theorizing about what happens <laughs> if they're on it as rest. Yeah, it's. It's something I'm going to be thinking about for a while, having just seen the finale. Um, that is totally awesome, and I definitely want to know where they are, but I also want to talk about this five-year-later part of seeing everyone growing up, seeing Kanan's fucking son. Oh, so cool. So cool. And I don't know if we'll ever get anything else from Kanan, because we know Hera is still out there doing stuff. I don't need knowing anything that else. They, uh, knowing that those two did have that connection, and that was like, it is confirmed. There's no doubt now. It's so awesome. So my cool. headcanon now that I know that is that um, her son is her co-pilot when they show up in uh, The Force Awakens. Or not The Force Awakens, the, the, the finale. Skywalker. Right, Skywalker. That's the headcanon. I'm, I'm right there with you now. He's there. That, He's there. That's headcanon <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, then of course they're off, Ahsoka and Ezra, or Ahsoka and Sabine are off to find Ezra. Uh, Zabin takes Kallus to Lirasan. Um, th- let's talk for just a second about that rumor of what could come next. God, I want it. Okay, cool. There we go. <laughs> I so badly. It, this is you talked about loving Sabine. I want the Sabine Ahsoka show because I Ahsoka was never on the hate train of Ahsoka. I've loved Ahsoka since she was introduced. I still don't understand I've, that hate train. <laughs> oh, she's such a fun character. I've soaked up every bit of canon where she is involved and i so badly yes i, I have one it's, it's over there <laughs> i just pulled so, up for audio listeners because i realized i don't record video for this is uh a, the disney infinity ahsoka character which i literally found in my closet yesterday <laughs> she's so much fun i so badly want the ahsoka sabine 
Rebels sequel where we get to find out. Because, and I think this is a cool place where you talk about where Star Wars goes now post Rise of Skywalker. Being in Ahsoka, realistically, still be alive. They're not like Rise of Skywalker isn't so far away that they would be these decrepit things. To being what would be in her forties, somewhere in there, right? Yeah, uh, Ahsoka so probably in like. Oh, so could be probably in like sixties. Even then, like it's totally different because uh, alien races. Yeah. So definitely, still young enough to be alive and kicking. Ezra would be in his forties, so he would be in the prime of his. Since or like he would be the Canaan. I we need if I don't care. It's like me something whether it's animated, whether it's the next Star Wars does. I know they're doing Old Republic, but along those lines, I we need to know and I. Thrawn in live action, I can't hope for anything more. Yeah, I remember I was looking at some theories earlier today, and it was like one of the ones was of them doing that, and Rex was going to be a big part of it, and it was going to be about them. Like, Rex is a clone is decaying, and they need to find a way to stop it. And I'm like, there are so many cool ideas still to do with these characters that don't feel disrespectful to what's already come before and what they have, what they're doing now. And Pretty much all I can hope for at this point is that the Bad Batch is going to have like some nods or references to this that will eventually lead into a series. So I, the fact that Disney Plus is a thing now gives me hope for so many Star Wars things that otherwise I wouldn't have hope for. Like as I mentioned earlier, Solo is something I want more of, which goes more with the mall stuff. As long as Disney Plus is still kicking, I think all Star Wars fans have hope that we're going to see more of Ezra and Sabine. Yeah, it's it's gonna be cool. I I just love I love talking about this part of Star Wars. Um, one yeah. final thought to talk about though before we wrap up. Um, the best I always have believed that the best of Star Wars is the television shows. Um, just because Star Wars is such like a character based world. What what where do you rank this against Clone Wars? Hey, so I. I like Clone Wars. Clone Wars is something I came to later. I love Star Wars Rebels. It was one of those shows that I was religiously watching weekly. Um, it's what reignited uh, it in The Force Awakens, really reignited my love of Star Wars um, as an adult. Because I grew up with it. I was the perfect age to see the original films when they were re-released in the 90s uh, um, in theaters. If it wasn't for Rebels or The Force Awakens, I don't know if I would be such a huge... like. I know the listeners can't see, but literally next to me is every Star Wars canon book <laughs> on a bookshelf. Like, I am as nerdy of Star Wars as you can get. Um, love Rebels. And like, I, the first season being the weak season, I think is even saying something. Because every season of Rebels, I feel like, really brings it and gives something fun for the Star Wars more. Yeah, it's such a good series. It's I could honestly say it's the best Star Wars content out there. Um, it's just it's so good. It it what I love about it is whether or not you've seen Clone. Wars, this is a sequel series in Clone Wars. Whether or not you've seen Clone Wars, it does not matter. Um, you'll be lost on a couple things. That's it. Like that's it. It's awesome. It's wonderful that way. The outside of the Ahsoka reveal, that's if you haven't watched, don't have any connection to Clone Wars. That's the only major thing I feel like you're missing out on. Um, but otherwise, the, sto- the it does 
it's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think it's about time we wrapped it up. We've been going for a little while at this point. Um, Steven, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. <laughs> thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm happy we got you on here for this. Uh, where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter at Stephen R. Toomey, T-W-O-M-E-Y. Uh, and if you want to play games on PlayStation, uh, I'm Jedi Steve 08. Um, so <laughs> a huge Star Wars fan, and it carries over onto the PlayStation. <laughs> of course. Of course it does. Um, of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at D plus us. Me on Twitter at Griffy D-Pad. That's G-R-I-F-F-I-D-P-A-D. Keep an eye out on both of those for what's coming up next, what's happening with the show, looking for guests, yada, yada, yada. Let's quickly announce what next week's episode is going to be, like we do at the end of every episode. It is going to be the Secret Society of Secondborn Royals, uh, assuming that all of this comes out <laughs> according to plan, because uh, we're recording a bit ahead here. Uh, brand new movie on Disney+. Plus, Really looking like an old school decom, so I'm excited to... Uh, to take a look at this uh steven thank you again for uh for coming on man you. and uh thank you everybody out there for listening i say it at the end of every episode but it really does mean a lot that you listen to our little podcast here uh if you can rate us on itunes share us with your friends yada 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 hit now all the stuff you hear at the end of every podcast it's all we've got so i'll round this out the way i always do have a magical 